Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather. And I'm Mark, and we are your co-hosts. And we're here to take a look back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartels Podcast Network. Hey everyone, welcome back to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. We're here for a second uh, sit-down with James Whitman from the Judaic Christian Studies Institute. And we are going to just keep going through a couple more questions that we wanted to ask James. We actually had like a ton of questions, but we got it down to three or four, didn't we, Heather? Yeah. And this conversation, if you didn't listen to week one, go check it out now because it was so good. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, here goes. What danger is there in teaching the Bible, specifically to teenagers, if we don't consider connecting the Testaments in our teaching? Uh, Good question, Mark. Heather, nice to be back with you guys. Had a blast uh, first time around. Love what you do. Pray the Lord just blesses it. Get Heather's book. Uh, Mm -hmm. Looking forward to the future and what you guys have planned um thanks james yeah Yeah. delight delight is good fellowship so um you know i i hearken back uh, even i I love the question because there is a danger in not teaching the bible in a holistic way period and Mm -hmm. teenagers are smart people yes they are and they want to be challenged and the mm-hmm. Bible's not only intellectually challenging, it, it just challenges us, our whole nefesh, our whole soul, body, soul. Everything that we are is challenged by the Word of God in a, in a beautifully transforming way. And therefore, to separate what God has joined together is, is a travesty, um, and, and, and uh, the youth deserves so much better. So love yeah. your guys' work and the work of yeah. so many others. Mm. Uh, and so that's you know one of the one of the dangers. Let's just say uh, that would be one of them that we are minimizing potential and we're under equipping um, for uh, what is a very challenging generation that they have been chosen handpicked by God to be planted in and to influence and to lead people out of darkness into light, they're going to need a, a, a more robust equipping. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of this is very timely. Um, as we mentioned in the first podcast, we know more about the time of Jesus than ever, any generations since then. And we need to take full advantage of that. So um, here's something that I, I think is a big danger. And if, and if, and if I can just make this deposit, um, it's, it's going to be well for you as Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. In the end of the last podcast, Heather brought up the, the big question about continuity and discontinuity. That's academic language to say, okay, well, how does the Old Testament apply in a mm-hmm. new covenant setting? And mm-hmm. so there, there is discontinuity. There is no temple, for instance. So mm-hmm. there cannot be temple sacrifices. And then we can explore that, that the sacrifice of Jesus, he's a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, you know, they're, they're, the, it just shows you the New Testament is wrestling with the very questions that we ask. 
Sure. Yes, they're That's trying right. to pull the Hebrew scriptures forward to mm-hmm. understand what has transpired. Precisely. Precisely. And in our last cast, that was something we saw Jesus doing. He was he was moving the covenants forward. So here's the big idea. Uh, if we see if what we see in Jesus, we are to have seen in the father or let me say it a different way. The Torah needs to be interpreted. The Jewish uh, the Jewish people throughout the history have understood this. That's why they're very education oriented. Torah has to be interpreted, has to be applied. Mm-hmm. Moses is the definitive interpreter of Torah. Everything starts from that. And Moses said, one's going to come after me. Right. And he isn't going to be the, the interpreter. Well, we, the New Testament gives witness that that is Jesus, Stephen particularly, um, before he is executed in his sermon in Acts, that Jesus is the one Moses told about. Therefore, he is the interpreter of the right. Old Testament. So we yeah, you guys, just an aside, mm-hmm. the, the Torah literally ends with the saying, to this day, no one has arisen like Moses who spoke with God face to face. And so there's yeah. this expectation that shoots forward in interpretation. That is, that is literally the close of the Torah. Right. Is that there would be a prophet like Moses. Yep. Mm-hmm. And when we say Torah, gang, you know, and I want your listeners to know, we're, we're shorthanding the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's very important to understand. So, so let's say, here's the big, here's the elephant in the room, the law. Right. Whenever yeah. Christians start reading and considering the Old Testament and much of the criticisms outside the Christian community against Judaism or Christianity will have to do with the law. Um, And the fundamental misunderstanding disconnect um, in most believers is that God saved um, by works all the way up until Jesus Mm -hmm. and changed his mind and said, that's not working out very well. So I'm going to Mm -hmm. save by grace. Yep. Yeah. So we've created a, a, an artificial contrast that would have been foreign to Jesus in the early church, that somehow law is pitted against grace. Wow. Yeah. Right. Because sacri- the sacrificial system in itself is the way you get, it is the way you get grace, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Remarkable manifestations of grace. And that's mm-hmm. the imagery that we understand Jesus' sacrifice in. No question like, about it. So look at nice, totally, yeah. nicely said. We wouldn't even understand the grace that is in the death and resurrection of Jesus if it wasn't for the Hebrew scriptures. So yeah. this, this, this again, this false versus this this dualism doesn't exist in the mind of Jesus, as we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. And so the the net effect of it is Christians are always trying to balance. Um, if it's law and there's no grace in it, then in grace, there's no law. Even though Jesus, you know, Paul says to fulfill uh, um, the, the Torah of Jesus. He yeah. says that's our goal is to fulfill the law of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is the manifestation of the Hebrew scriptures, the embedded reality as it's worked out in the life of Jesus. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to get in the weeds here, but, Here's a great illustration of this. 
My mentor, Dwight Parr, used to always say, children of Israel, captive in, in Egypt, mm-hmm. what good work did they do in order to initiate Yahweh's saving action? Not much. Nothing. Yahweh, <laughs> Yahweh promised their fathers. That's it. And, and yeah. oh, the power of promise here, gang. Mm-hmm. Because this is all yeah. about the character of God. This reading of the Bible is first and all foremost a story of this one we call God. It's a revelation. I'm glad we have a role in it, but we're not the stars of the story. Yeah, yeah that's right. And so the Exodus is the archetype of being saved by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. And nobody sure. knows that more than the Jewish community. Sure. And, and nobody despises that false antithesis of law versus grace as much as the Jewish community. It, it is an insult for yeah. them to be characterized that way. That is not historically how they have read their Hebrew scriptures. Sure. Because I, I think pridefully going off of uh, something that you said, uh, we as Christians think, oh, you know, well, the, the Jews, they got up to bat. They took a swing. Oh, darn it. They missed. Took another swing. Oh, shoot. Oh, took another swing. Oh, they struck out. But we Christians, yeah. we stepped up to bat. And by golly, we slammed it out of the park, right? <laughs> That's just what, what we think. <laughs> what you said is so great. I I could make this podcast episode two hours if our <laughs> listeners could hang with it. I would, I would love to talk more. But you know, I think too, if we don't understand the Exodus as the archetypal story, like you're talking about, yeah. that's why we misread Paul into these categorizations of law being bad and old and grace being good and new. Yes. When I don't think Paul thought that way either. Not at all. And I just want to give a shout out to my mentor, Dwight Pryor. Um, yeah. Incredible mind, uh, mind of a scholar, heart of a pastor, um, itinerant teacher. And he didn't even tackle Paul till the latter half of his ministry. Yeah. Um, and he has a lot of uh, important, uh, you know, things to put in place exactly along the lines, Mark, of what you just said. And, um, you know, you also said both of you in, in the previous podcast and it goes right in line with what we're talking about here, right? If we don't have Jesus's mind on the Hebrew scriptures and that he's revealing and reconciling us to the Father, mm-hmm. who is for us, then we have a, we, we misread the character of God. Sure. And to the point of our current discussion, if we do not have a sense that Israel is the people of God, then we misread our own part in the story and we blindly repeat their missteps and failings. Mm. But yeah. Paul himself said, no, you're, you're, you're to see yourself in the Hebrew scriptures so that you can learn from your forefathers in the faith. I'll tell you, when I talk, when I talk, you know, youth pastor uh, in our youth group to my family, who will ever listen to me, I talk <laughs> about Israel as our people. What did you say? I talk about Israel as our people. Yeah. When yeah. I'm re- referencing the, 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 the people of the book, the historic, I always say our people, our prophets, our kings, because mm-hmm. they are. We've been grafted mm-hmm. in to that yeah. prophetic history that reveals God. So let me say it this way. With the constant drumming of law versus grace as kind of a straw man, 
we don't realize as preachers and teachers that we're we're causing a um, a schizophrenic psychology in the in the ears of a disciple because who, yeah. who wants to be reconciled to the lawgiver, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we need Jesus. We need this. You know, we need this mediator. Uh, but the mediator himself says, "Oh no, I'm just here to bring you to the Father." Right. Yeah. And the Father has a historic people. And instead of reading them, Heather, you brought this out so well, instead of mm-hmm. reading the historic people of God as those stiff-necked, tried to merit their salvation, never could get it right people, we should be looking in the mirror and go, that's, mm-hmm. that's me. Sure. I see that. Yeah. I see those same tendencies, but with better promises. So what I, I think what I hear you saying, James, is that when it comes to teaching teenagers, helping, I guess our role as youth pastors to, is to help them see themselves in the story from Genesis to Revelation yes. and the part that they have to play in God's story and in the person of Jesus who sees all of scripture as something to be valuable yeah. for yeah. our lives as Christians. I think it's so true what you said from the get-go that teenagers are smart and yeah. can handle learning the scriptures and actually find great joy in the story of God. Mm-hmm. And we basically charge in a lot of times foolishly mm. as youth pastors and assume the Bible's basically going to bore them, but mm-hmm. I want them to know the gospel. So yeah, we'll do more Jesus stories than anything else. Right. And or that God was mean in the old Testament. So we need to, yeah. 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 And actually if you will bootstrap yourself to understanding that the Bible is God's story and it's helpful and useful, um, you, you will go far in being able to disciple teenagers because like you've said a number of times, Heather, your passion for the scriptures comes out. Sometimes your kids think you're crazy because <laughs> you love the Bible so much. Yeah. Right? But that's, that can happen in our teenagers too. That's right. And they can take that into their adulthood. That's right. So on yeah. the, night, the night he was betrayed, he takes this Passover, these Passover elements. He imbues them with the new covenant vitality, you know, putting an exclamation point on the story. But that was a Passover. And he was yeah. reliving, as he did every year, and rehearsing the graceful salvation of a loving father, taking him back into his own history, taking us back into the history of our people. And even at that, even to this day, a Jewish Passover doesn't begin with Egypt. It begins with the promise to Abraham. Yeah. It's a promise of blessing. Mm -hmm. The same blessing that was lost archetypally at the fall, the same blessing that every human being craves. And that's the blessing of their father. Mm. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Um, James, I feel like a million different youth, pa- well, there's, we don't have a million listeners, but maybe eventually we will, but Amen. I feel like there's maybe been, someday. maybe, Sorry. I feel like there's probably many of our listeners uh, that have a million questions right now uh, based upon the things that we've talked about the last couple of weeks. And, you know, before we end the show today, I'd love it if you'd be willing to share maybe some next steps that people could take to learn more about some of these things. Oh, well, I appreciate the question because you, uh, you leader, 
called by God, being equipped, being anointed, being raised up for such a time as this, you also need to not be afraid of academics and be afraid of what you don't know about the Bible. On the one hand, on the other hand, don't settle for something you read on the internet, some little anecdote or some little Hebrew word or some, you know, we, as a, as an organization, we ground ourselves in good academics. There are godly spirit filled people doing um, cutting edge research that is accessible it's one thing we offer at JC Studies. We want to be a touchstone for uh, the best mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Jewish root scholarship and make it accessible to leaders. Um, so I, I just, I, I, you can avail yourself of me as a resource. You're obviously uh, plugged in already to the best resource, and that's Heather and Mark, because of their <laughs> emphasis on, the spe- on their specialty. But I want, you to know, I want you to know when you're studying the Bible, dear friend, that um, keep it in the realm of good scholarship. Yeah. Um, because yeah. there's a lot out there that's kind of crazy right now. A lot of, mm-hmm. lot of typical uh, not United States style end time stuff that's co-opting Jewish images and Jewish calendars and Jewish numerology. Sure. And, uh, you know, we need to be wise because we're trying to be grounded people who can ground a generation for what they're going to have to face. So, Quickly, um, JC Studies is a resource for good scholarship. That's the reason we exist. Um, mm-hmm. Read our father Abraham. Yeah, um, yeah. He just he's a mentor to us all. As these, all three of us are nodding. Uh, yeah, you could see us. Read our father Abraham. Um, I like the work of the Bible Project very much. Um, Tim Mackey's. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's very sensitized. And, and, let me just take a minute. Guys can go, ah, ah, but let me just take a minute. Sure. Part of this is sensitizing ourselves to the way we use language. Anybody out there ever preach that Pharisees are hypocrites? I know. I could put my hand up at one time as well. Well, how mm-hmm. would you like it if somebody talked, said every Baptist was a hypocrite or every sure. Methodist was a hypocrite? That's what we're doing. Right. We don't realize that Jesus had more in common with the Pharisees. That's why he dialogued the most with them. They were a renewal movement trying to get people back to the book. They didn't have it perfect. And Mm -hmm. yes, there's hypocrisy in religion. What I'm talking about is removing anti-Semitic thoughts and ideas and language from the way we approach the Bible and be Mm. more humane, be more sensitive about it. And this is the type of scholarship I'm talking about. Um, And Tim does a great job of that, the Bible Project. Absolutely. scholar. And he avoids mm-hmm. so many of those um, small-minded um, traps. Yep. Yeah. You know, I was just talking with a, a friend who's a Messianic Jew, and uh, he was basically agreeing with me that anti-Semitism and racism are the two human like evils that just creep if you don't push them back and you don't actively yes. uh, learn against them. Mm-hmm. And that's actually why HUC was founded as a school. It was so that a group of people like me would go out and become pastors or professors. And if something like the Holocaust ever threatened again, we would stand up and say, you have Judaism all wrong. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And and I just want to d- dovetail well said. And, and our organizations like ours, JC Studies, would just come alongside yeah. with some additional equipping. We don't want to be an end all. 
Um, you guys are doing the work. Um, we all, I trust, are doing our royal priesthood work. But this is just yeah. supplement and to, uh, and to more holistically round out um, your understanding of the story of God so that you can present it uh, in passion more biblically. Well, thank yeah. you so much, James. This has been really fun. And there yeah. are great resources at uh, JC Studies. Don't be afraid to go check them out. And as always, uh, check out First Century Youth Ministry to see um, what's going on. Heather and I are putting out new stuff. There's swag in the store. And uh, the t-shirts and sweatshirts you made are awesome. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, goodbye, everyone. See ya. Bye.